part of the teaching on the Holy Spirit. I feel like this is such an important tool in anything that you're, you're living through. The Holy Spirit's just necessary. The Holy Spirit is, oh, first of all, Jesus, above all, he said, he said, surely, he said, um, he said, verily, verily, he said, listen to me. This is so important. He wanted us to know about the Holy Spirit. He told us over and over, I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures today about it. It's so important. And I believe that knowing the Spirit, knowing and, and, and having the Holy Spirit as your best friend, having the Holy Spirit that you can listen to, that can help you, that can guide you into all truth, is a big, huge piece in your healing journey. It's a big, huge piece in your journey of life, but especially in your healing journey. So before we get started with the sheet, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a, this is a nugget from last week. A couple of scriptures. In the book of Acts, the second chapter, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the new church, Peter got up under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he told the people that what they were seeing had been prophesied by Joel. And then he quoted the prophetic word. And in that word, the prophet Joel said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's pretty inclusive. On all flesh. When Jesus was walking on this earth, one of the pieces he told his people was he said, anyone, anyone who believes in me will do the same things that I'm doing and even greater things because I'm going to my father. Well, the reason he said, because I'm going to my father and two verses later, it explains why he said, because when I go to my father, the promise will come. The, I am sending another helper. I am giving you this promise. But he said, anyone who believes in me will do what I'm doing and even greater things. Now, we can't do what Jesus does and even greater things unless we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But it was promised to us. When we were born again, when we said yes to Jesus... When we said, yes, Jesus, I believe in you, I surrender to you, I need you, I want you in my life, I want you in my heart, I want you to be my savior and I give you lordship, I relinquish my life, I relinquish control, because in this world that we live in, we tend to hang on to control. We've, we're in control, independent people, and that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to be releasing control and he wants us to be dependent but when we make that decision to ask jesus into our heart we receive him and the holy spirit of god joins together with our spirit at that very moment the holy spirit joins together with our spirit and it even says that the holy spirit seals us and our spirit is perfected the holy spirit takes up residence the Holy Spirit becomes available. But there's a however. However, many Christians don't know what happened. They don't acknowledge, they don't 
receive the fullness. This, the title of this message is living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They don't know about the fullness. It's mostly a lack of knowledge. It's mostly ignorance. They don't realize what they have. They don't acknowledge. They don't, they don't honor. They don't invite the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk a lot in the next few weeks about receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit and why, how we do that and what the Bible says and, and what that looks like. We're going to talk a lot about that. But I was talking to Kent yesterday as we were driving, and he gave a really good example. He said, think of it this way. He said, when you get a new computer, it comes with programs. But if you don't launch the programs, you don't use them. You can't use them. Now, I'm a Word girl. I use Microsoft Word a lot because I do a lot of writing. If I never launched my Microsoft Word program, I wouldn't, have an, I wouldn't have the ability to do my notes on the computer. I have to launch the program. The program's in that computer, but I have to launch it. I have to turn it on in order for it to work. And that's a really super simplistic picture of what we have. We have the Holy Spirit. But unless we launch him, unless we acknowledge him, that's the key, acknowledge him, honor him, invite him, receive him, the power that he has for us is, is like dormant. So our part is to receive the promise. Jesus has given us the promise. He's in there. But our part is to receive him. So there is a Holy Spirit experience beyond the new birth. And that's what we're talking about in this, in this series. We all, if we're born again, we all have the Holy Spirit at the new birth. But there is an experience beyond. And the, and the Bible calls it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Let me say that again. With the Holy Spirit... We are empowered to live the abundant life that Jesus gave us, and that includes healing. I believe that this is an integral part in your healing journey. Is we're going to look at many references about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, because I want to show you that this is all biblical. One of the really interesting things is that the same scripture account is repeated in all four Gospels. There aren't too many scriptures accounts that are repeated in all four Gospels. And I believe that's a reason to really pay attention. So, um, Kathy, can I get you to read these for me just to save my voice? If I give you the mic? And it does work. Okay, are we ready? Yes. All right. Matthew 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So this is John the Baptist speaking, and he is referring to Jesus. He says, I'm baptizing with water, but he who is coming will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So go ahead on to the next one. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Awesome. And the next one? 
from the Gospel of Luke. Now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Awesome. And then in the Gospel of John. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon me. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Now in the next slide, we're going to see Jesus speaking. Kathy, I'm still going to have you read these. Okay. And Jesus is talking about the promise. Now in the next two, would, um, would you go to the next scripture, please? Behold. Yeah, just, just one second. Sorry. When, when Jesus speaks this, he has already died. He has been in the grave. He's been resurrected. He has come back to his disciples. And this is right before his ascension. It's at the very end of the last, last uh, chapter of Luke. So go ahead. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon yes. you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And then the next one is from the book of Acts. And in the, the next scripture that we're going to read, Jesus, it, it's, this, it's like this scripture again. Go ahead and go to the next one. And what, um, what Jesus is doing is he is preparing them again right before he ascends. He's talking about the promise again, but then he explains what the promise is. So go ahead. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive yes. power when the Holy Spirit has Thank come you, upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me yes. in Jerusalem and in all yes. Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's one more reference that I want to share with you. This one takes place in the 11th chapter of Acts. So Jesus is no longer in human form on the earth. But now they're looking back. This is Peter speaking in this scripture. And Peter has gone to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius is, the, is an, Italian, uh, uh, an Italian man. And he's a Gentile, so he's not Jewish. And there has been a Holy Spirit encounter where the Holy Spirit is, has come to Cornelius in his prayer time and said, go ask for Peter and then listen to whatever Peter has to say. The Holy Spirit also went to Peter and said, somebody's going to be coming and wanting to know about me and you need to go. And he also gave Peter a vision where there was a, it was an open vision and he saw a sheet coming down from heaven and on it were all kinds of animals that Jewish people didn't eat because they were considered unclean and the Holy Spirit God said in that vision take and eat and Peter said oh no I cannot eat I have never eaten anything unclean and the the voice of God said don't call unclean what I say is clean and that happened three times so Peter went to the house of Cornelius 
he preached about Jesus, they all believed and were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter spoke this out. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you hear how many references we just read about the promise, about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, about being endued with power? That's what we're talking about here. It's really exciting. Okay, Kathy, thank you so much. So, I'm going to talk about two purposes of the power. I'm going to talk about one of them this week, one of them the week I get back. The first purpose of the power is for me, individually. It's for you, individually. It's for your own personal walk with God. It's for you to fall in love and to know his love. It's for you to be strengthened, to be edified, to be built up. Now, there are so many times when I talk to you guys and I see your need for being built up. There's so many times when I'm at home by myself and I have a need to be built up. The Holy Spirit is my, my builder-upper. He's my edifier, my helper, my comforter. All of those things that we, we talked about last week, he's our advocate. He's our, our, our intercessor. He's our strength. And if you are feeling puny, if you're feeling weak, the Holy Spirit is there for you. And the Holy Spirit power that I'm talking about isn't just for the healing, um, laying on hands and healing, although that's awesome. We're going to talk about that the next time. It's not just for words of knowledge, although that's awesome. And we're going to talk about that next time. But today we're going to talk about why it's important for us individually. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit one month after I was saved. I was in the middle of a battle with stage four cancer. Boy, did I need the Holy Spirit. I remember hearing about the Holy Spirit in the church that I was going to. And I knew that I wanted everything God had for me. So I went to church with the intention of receiving. I went to church this Sunday and I told Kent, okay, I'm going to ask. Because they offered prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit every week. And I said, I'm ready. I want it. I want everything God has for me. So I went up for prayer at the end of the service. And I said, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's all God says we need to do is ask. And when I asked, I know that I was filled with the, 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 the uh, endued with powers, the way the Bible says it. I was endued, clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit because I honored him and, and the promise that Jesus gave to me. I believe that coming to know the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my healing journey was very impactful in my healing journey. And that's why I want to share this with you guys. This is a healing class. And I think this is a number one tool, along with the word of God, to take with you on your journey of healing. Okay, so the first purpose is the power of the Holy Spirit within you to build you up and strengthen you. I'm going to share five biblical things that the Holy Spirit does to help us to grow up and to strengthen us. And the first one is... He guides us into all truth. The first scripture that I want to share with you is the one that 
shows us how the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. So John 16, 13, once again, is, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So there are three big ideas in this scripture that I want to kind of zone in on. The first one is that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. This is so beautiful. The Holy Spirit conveys truth to our heart. Now, there are two kinds of of truths. The first one I'm calling positional truth. And a positional truth is an intellectual truth. It's an intellectual knowledge. Many times in this healing ministry, we really recommend that you get one of the little books of promises about healing and, and take that promise and meditate on it and read it and fill yourself with it. Okay, God, help me to say this. That's, I, I have done that and I still do. But it can be almost legalistic. It can be taking words and just simply repeating them. And it can't even be um, a, a decision that, okay, this is what the word says, and I know the word is true, so I'm believing it. But if that isn't in your heart, it is an intellectual believing instead of a heart believing. Now, what I'm teaching today is that the Holy Spirit will convey that truth from the, from the word or from your little book of scriptures into your heart. There's a whole big difference between believing with your head and believing with your heart. And one of the benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is him conveying that truth into your heart. And that's huge. I call that experiential truth instead of positional truth. Instead of just making a choice to believe in my head, I am experiencing the fullness of that truth. Uh, that truth has, has moved from the paper into my heart. That's faith to receive. It's a big difference. It's a huge difference. That comes from the Holy Spirit. And when it's real to you from God, it's yours. It's not the intellect that changes things. It's the Holy Spirit breathing life from that word into your heart that changes things. That's part of the treasure of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it. He says the Spirit will guide you into all truth. The way that I explain it, and it's, it's so hard to explain what you feel in the spiritual realm, but the way that I explain it is that I feel a stirring in my, in my inner man, in my inner person. I read the word, and this doesn't happen all the time because the Holy Spirit needs to illuminate it. He needs to bring it to life. He needs to breathe into it, into me. But my part is to believe it, to honor the Holy Spirit, to say, Holy Spirit, I know this is what you do. And when he does, I sense a, a stirring in my, in my heart that that word is like alive. It's not just a word. It's a living word. And I believe that when I, when I have that stirring, that there's something that is already done in the spiritual realm, it's a done deal. Jesus did it once and for all. It's finished. It's finished. 
But that finished work is, is coming alive in my heart. Our part is believing, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's breathing life into that word so that I am in faith. I am believing. So the, that's one of the amazing powers of the Holy Spirit. It's big. It's huge. So the Holy Spirit will convey this truth into you. The second part of the scripture says, He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? Remember when Jesus says, Everything I say is what I hear the Father say. The Holy Spirit does everything that Jesus Everything that that the Holy Spirit does for us today, he did for Jesus when Jesus walked in human form. So he does the same thing. What the Holy Spirit hears the Father say, he speaks into us. He conveys to us. The third part of the scripture says, he will tell you things to come. We can expect that because the Bible says it. We can believe, we can expect that he will show us things to come. And it might be things that are happening right now. It might be the future. Friends, trust him. Trust him when he shows you things to come. There's something in my heart right now that is so on fire that I haven't yet seen the result of. But the Holy Spirit has, has put this in my heart. I call it the eyes of my heart. I haven't seen it with my natural eyes yet, but I've seen it with the eyes of my heart. And it has to do with our daughter. We have three kids. Two of the three are not living their lives um, with God as their Lord and their Savior. One of them is, but two of them aren't. For some reason, God has really put my daughter on my heart in such a deep way, and I have been fervently, 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 consistently speaking over her, speaking blessings over her, praying over her, uh, uh, just... It's, it's almost been, um, oh, just a, a drive, a burden. I mean, it's uh, insatiable. I can't not do it. <clears throat> he has shown me this, I believe. I see my daughter living her life, acknowledging God. Now, she, this is the funny part. She already is acknowledging all the things that God is doing, she's just not acknowledging him in it. <laughs> so she's writing, she's sharing all of these amazing things, these revelations. She used the word renaissance. I looked up the word renaissance and it means rebirth. <laughs> and it was like, yes. But she doesn't, she doesn't have the whole picture yet. She's got a long ways to go actually. But I see what God's doing. And I get so excited. I have an anticipation. I have this burning, this anticipation. This, um, the, the biblical word is hope. It means a confident, joyous expectation. But I believe that the Holy Spirit has given that to me. He's shown me things to come in that particular situation. Now, if you're believing for that finished work of healing in your body, if you're believing for whatever it is in your body, you may be seeing it done. Even if you haven't yet done that, start to envision it. Start to ask Holy Spirit to give you that, that vision of it completed. And then just take time to meditate on it, focus on it, 
See yourself the way that the word says you are, whole and well and strong, healed and, and restored to normal. Let the Holy Spirit breathe his life into it. That's his promise. Expect it. Okay, that's number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance what Jesus has already spoken to you. John 14, 26. Again, Jesus is telling us, he's giving us this great news. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is our teacher. This is good. So what does a teacher do? I've been a teacher my, my whole life. <clears throat> I, I was a teacher of reading and math. Now I'm a teacher of the word. But when I taught kids, my job was to take some knowledge, some concepts, and it explain it in a way that the children would conceptualize it. Now that means it's not just here, but it's so much in them that they know it so they can apply it, so they can use it. So it can become part of them and it can be um, built upon. Okay, that's what a teacher does. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher and that's what he does. The Holy Spirit clarifies things for us from the word of God. The Holy Spirit illuminates. You know when you see, uh, when you, when you see um, the, the light bulb and the aha, or you have an aha moment, that's like illumination. The Holy Spirit does that with what God has for you. And then the Holy Spirit allows us to grow in wisdom. Pastor Tim and I were talking about wisdom at dinner. Wisdom is a big difference from understanding, from intellect. Wisdom is when you perceive something. When you perceive it in a way that it changes everything. When you perceive it in a way that changes the direction you take, the walk that you live, the, the direction you're going. Uh, and you can look behind you and, say how that, and see how that wisdom impacted the, your path of life. That's wisdom. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Think about this for a minute. God's been having me think about this a lot. <laughs> January and, and so far in February. This has been something I've just been thinking about a lot. And that is that, there, you know, we're, we're his disciples, right? A disciple is someone who is taught. And God spoke to me early this year, and he said, Cindy, let me disciple you. Let me be your first teacher. Sit at my feet and let me teach you. Because I, I love to, to go to good teachers of the word. I have two or three favorites. And I listen to their teaching, and I... Many times their revelation becomes my revelation, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God said to me, Cindy, let me be your first teacher. And that's what the Bible says. It says he will teach us all things. So once again, honor him and say, Holy Spirit, I know you're my teacher. So I'm just going to let you teach me. <laughs> I'm going to open my word, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to just see... What is stirring when I'm reading? What is illuminated when I'm reading? And then I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know? Get your journal out and just let him start 
filling it in, clarifying, illuminating it, helping you to understand it in a deeper way. But this scripture also says that he will bring to your remembrance what Jesus has already spoken to you. I love this. This happens to me all the time, and it probably happens to you too. Don't you love it when he gives you just the right word at just the right time? And you don't know where it came from. Many times it's like, I have no idea where that even is in the Bible, but I know it's in there. And the Holy Spirit just gave it to me to give to you. I'm talking on the phone and God gives me the exact right thing that that person needs at exactly the right time. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not you being super whatever. That's the Holy Spirit through you. Okay, number three. The Holy Spirit will reveal the deep things or mysteries of God to you. This is one of my favorites. I'm going to read this amazing scripture. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read a few different verses. First verse is verse 7. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom once hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God. That wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, to lift us into the glory of his presence. So this is talking about this wisdom, the wisdom of God. Sometimes it's called the the mysteries or the deep things of God. Now this scripture says that that used to be hidden, but now it's revealed. Wow. We live in the new covenant. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Remember last week we talked about we couldn't have the Holy Spirit in the old covenant because we we had the sin nature. And a holy God couldn't live in an unholy vessel. But because of what Jesus did, we are righteous. We are made perfect in our spirit. So the Holy Spirit can reside in us. And because of that, he can reveal his mysteries, his wisdom to us. And then I'm going to start reading in verse 10. Listen to this. For God has unveiled them. And the word them is referring to the mysteries of God that I just read about in verse 7. The wisdom of God. So God has unveiled these mysteries. And he's revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsels, and things far beyond human understanding. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit, it says in here, that he shows us the divine things of God, the things that are too deep for our puny brains. The Holy Spirit reveals them to us. Now listen to this. I love this analogy. It helps me to understand it. For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. Okay, now let me explain what I believe that means. It says that the only one who knows the thoughts of man is the man himself. So I'm going to use my own words. You can't read my thoughts unless I choose to tell it to you. I'm the only one who knows what's in my head. And then it says the same thing with God. The only one who knows God's thoughts is God. 
because no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now here's where it gets cool. We have the Spirit of God in us. And because we have the Spirit of God in us, we can know the deep mysteries of God as he reveals them to us, as he illuminates them to us, as he shows them to us. Because the Spirit of God is in us. Just like my spirit is in me, so I know my thoughts. The spirit of God is in me, so I can know the the deep mysteries and thoughts of God. Amazing. It's just amazing. That's something that if you just, you could just sit here for 10 minutes and just think about God revealing to us what he wants us to know. I'm going to give you an example. Romans 8.16. And you see you've got a scripture on your page and it has a blank in it. I'm going to fill in the blank with what the Bible says. But then I'm going to use the same scripture to just, uh, just help us to understand how we can hear these deep things of God. So the scripture says, The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us, that we are children of God. That's what Romans 8.16 says. The word testifies means show us something true or real or to give us proof. So this is the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit himself, thus helps us to see something true or real or proves something to us along with our own spirit. The spirit testifies with our own spirit, proving to us and assuring us that we're the children of God. Now that in itself, if you just, if you just uh, in your own humanness, thought about yourself being a child of God, it's like so out of your paradigm, so out of your capacity to understand. I was born of a fleshly mother and father, Ruthie and Dar Johnston. They're my mom and my dad, and I love them. They're awesome. But this scripture says that I'm also a child of God. I'm first and foremost a child of God. Now, the only way for me to understand that here is for the spirit of God to connect with my spirit and to breathe life into that. I'm the daughter of God. So are you. You're the son or the daughter of the living God. We're adopted by God. He chose us. But the amazing thing is that we can put anything in that blank that we have been, that's part of redemption. And the Holy Spirit can breathe life into any of those things. The Spirit himself testifies with our own spirit, assuring us that we are loved. The Spirit of God testifies with our own spirit, assuring us that we are healed. The Spirit of God testifies with my spirit and says, Cindy, you're forgiven. You're approved of. You're valued. Whatever... The word says, 
we can put in there. And as we have that quickening that I tried to describe earlier, the Holy Spirit can, can make that real in our hearts. And that's when faith is born. Faith isn't born just by reading black and white letters on a page. Faith is born when the Holy Spirit, that's what we're talking about, breathes his fire, his life into that, and it becomes completely real. It's like a, a switch is flipped. It's like the lights are off, and all of a sudden I turn them on, and there's something completely different. There's an inner knowing. There's a knowing, a knowing, a knowing, a knowing that you're loved, that you're the daughter of God, that you're healed, even before you see the end result. I've heard so many people say, I know that I know that I know. It's a done deal. And they haven't yet seen the result, but they know it because it's been revealed to their heart. And let me tell you what happens. When that quickening happens, when the Holy Spirit uh, breathes that truth into you so deep that there's no questioning, nobody can make you believe anything else, this is what happened. Not only is faith born, but that other thing is aborted. The opposite, the lie, is aborted. Faith is born, and that other thing is aborted. Cancer is aborted. Arthritis is aborted. Anxiety is aborted. Pain is aborted. It's dead. Because the power of the living God is living in you. The truth is alive. It's so hard to put into words what that feels like or how it changes everything but it just does it just changes everything and it's all this amazing holy spirit that we all have jesus promised him to us but we need to understand and to acknowledge and to invite him and to honor him and to let him be who he is when god has done that when he's spoken to our heart, all of a sudden we move into a higher authority. And we can speak to the mountain and it will go. It'll just be gone. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> number four. That clock does not work. Okay, number four. The Holy Spirit convicts our heart to know the heart of God and to agree, to come into agreement with the heart of God. So... I want to define the word convict, and then I'm going to read the scripture, because this scripture is a kind of a big, meaty scripture. The word convict, it's a legal term, and it means to determine the truth of a charge. It doesn't just mean you're guilty, convicted. It means this is the truth, okay? Now let me read the scripture. This is Jesus speaking again, and he says, But in fact... It is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So 
So there's three things that the scripture is talking about being convicted of. The first one, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit will convict believers of sin. Believers, we live in the world, but we're not part of the world. Our residence is heaven. Our residence is eternal life here on earth and forever. That's our home. That's our residence. It's talking about the world. The Holy Spirit's, one of his important things is to convict the world of sin and their need for a savior. Their need, because of the nature of sin that is in them before they knew Jesus, before they know Jesus, they need Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has come to convict them because they need a savior. And Jesus wants all of his people to be saved, every single one. And this one is just amazing. It says there's only one sin. It says it right here. There's only one sin that will lead people to hell or will whatever. And that is not believing in Jesus. It says right here, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. That's the only sin that's going to send people to hell. Because Jesus took care of everything. He paid the price. He took the judgment for every single sin of all humanity. Our part is to believe in Jesus and receive that remission of sin. And then this is part of this is from an Andrew Womack teaching. And this one just wowed me. I lead people to Jesus all the time. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I never ask him to confess their sins. The Bible says salvation is believing in Jesus. The Bible says that when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, then you're saved. So when I lead people to Jesus, I tell them about this amazing Jesus and surrendering and letting him be God so you don't have to be God. It's way easier. And just letting him love you and take care of you. And, 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 then, we, and then we pray to receive Jesus. And you hear about this thing called the sinner's prayer. There's no, no confession in the, I mean, that's not what the Bible says. It just says, believe in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That's a little side note. It's a good one, though. The second thing the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will convict us of is God's righteousness. Remember, convict means to determine the truth of a charge. We are charged righteous. <laughs> Isn't that good? We're not charged guilty. We are charged not guilty. We are charged justified. It's a legal term. We are righteous it's our state of being and it says in the scripture righteousness is available because i go to my father and you'll see me no more because of what jesus did we have righteousness second corinthians five twenty one says for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him that's a great exchange he became sin so that we could become righteous. And in 1 Peter 2.24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, willingly offering himself on it as, an off, as, an, as on an altar of sacrifice, so that we might die to sin, become immune from the penalty and the power of sin, 
and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you who believe have been healed. Wow. Again, divine exchange. He took our sin into his body on the cross so that we could become righteous. Amen. Now, I had just a little nugget that I want to read to you. This is, this is something God spoke to me. It was in my journal. And this is a few months ago. I was teaching on righteousness. And I, that morning as I was teaching, I said, God, what do you want me to know about your free gift of righteousness? I do that a lot. I just kind of ask God a question. And then I just sit. And I let the Holy Spirit just kind of give me what God wants me to know. And I start writing. Now, I journal a lot. I write a lot. But when I write, like for the books that I've written and the things like that, I spend a lot, a lot of time writing and revising and thinking and rereading. But when the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, I don't do that. I just start writing and it just comes out. And this is what came out that day. I asked, I asked God, what do you want me to know about your free gift of righteousness? And this is what he said. I created you with such grand plans. Even when Satan deceived man at the very beginning, my plan was always to bless my children and to enjoy pouring my love upon them. That's, way, that's why I made the way, the only way, to fulfill my requirement of a holy people free from the stain of sin. I did that by giving up the one and only who was able to pay the price, my son, my beautiful son. But my sacrifice was well worth the cost because now I have you. He was speaking to me, Cindy, but let him say that to you. Now he has you. He said, my righteousness is yours. My righteousness is yours. Now you live as I originally planned. You no longer live in a state of original sin. You now live in a state of original righteousness. And that's true for all my children. Oh, is that good? Yeah. So, God. We need to realize that we are righteous. The Holy Spirit wants to convict you of righteousness. That it's so real in your heart that it doesn't matter. No devil from hell can condemn you because you are, there's no more condemnation. You are righteous. I am righteous. The Holy Spirit came to convict us of our righteousness. The third thing that the Holy Spirit came to convict us of was coming judgment. Now, I want to read the scripture one more time because Jesus said, you don't have to go backwards, Tim. I'll just read it. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. Now, Jesus spoke this word before the enemy had been judged. The last sentence where he's explaining this, Jesus says, judgment will come because the ruler of the world has already been judged. Jesus is talking about the enemy here. He's not talking about us. He's talking about the enemy. Jesus was referring to the judgment of Satan that was coming. 
that was going to be, it was, it was set. The path had been set. Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew that he was destroying the dominion of the enemy. He knew that he was taking the judgment that we needed to pay so that the enemy's dominion would be stripped. So when the world um, crucified Jesus, when the people crucified Jesus, they thought Jesus was being judged. But that's not what was happening. Jesus was taking the judgment for us, but the enemy was the one that was being judged. Now, we are in the position to enforce the victory, to demonstrate the victory that Jesus already paid for. Listen to the scripture. This is Colossians 2.15. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all of their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Amen. The enemy has been judged once and for all. His dominion was stripped. And we have been given the authority to proclaim the victory of Jesus, to enforce the victory of Jesus. So... That one scripture says that our sin has been dealt with, our righteousness is in Christ, and the enemy has been eternally defeated. Is that good news? Go to that next slide, Tim. Let's read it again. Our sin has been dealt with, our righteousness is in Christ, and our enemy has been eternally defeated. Jesus said, This is what the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of. That's something good to just put in in front of you and meditate on until it is more real than than anything. Okay, one last point. And then we're going to let the Holy Spirit take over. The Holy Spirit within us builds us up, um, edifies us spiritually, and energizes our faith. Now, if you're in the middle of any kind of a battle, I don't know about you, but... I know I need my faith energized. I need built up. I need edified. And the Bible says that it does that. The Holy Spirit does that. Now, in the two examples that I've got, scripture-wise, it talks about praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. We're going to talk a lot about praying in tongues in the next couple of weeks. But I want to show you what the scripture says. It says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. When the people at Pentecost, were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The evidence of their baptism was speaking in tongues. We're going to talk a lot about that and, and what the Bible says about tongues and, and is it for everybody and how do I receive and all that. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But what I want to show you with you right now is that we are edified. We are built up. This is part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we are built up. The word edified means built up. There's a, it comes from the same root word as the, as the word edifice, edifice. And an edifice is a great um, building, piece of architecture, an edifice. Its, it's appearance is great and awe-inspiring. It's great and big and tall and magnificent. And that's what happens in us spiritually with this Holy Spirit that is within us. 
And the next scripture that I'm going to close with, this is one of my favorite scriptures about being built up with the Holy Spirit. It's Jude. There's only one chapter in Jude, but it's verse 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I'm going to just kind of take some of these words and, and show you how amazing God's plan is. First of all, he calls us his beloved. Let that soak in. We're his beloved. And he says, my beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. He's saying, as you pray in the Holy Spirit, as you pray in tongues, you're building yourself up. That's that same word, edifies. You're being built up spiritually, and your faith is being strengthened. Your most holy faith is being built up. Faith is our part in receiving. If you're believing God for a promise in his word right now, and it may be a promise of healing, being this is a healing class, this is a huge way to get your faith to be energized, to be strengthened, to be firm and steady. And then it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. The word keep is a word that is like a gardening, attending, tending, taking care of, guarding, observing. This word says that as we're building ourselves up, praying in the Holy Spirit, and our faith is being strengthened, the result of that, that's comma, that's not a period. There's a comma right before verse 21. And it says, as we do that, we are tending, we are keeping, we are tending, guarding our heart, the garden of our heart, and the, to, to be a host for the love of God, to be to be stirred up to receive the love of God. Love changes everything. And our part, when we're, when we're praying in tongues, when we're building ourselves up and being edified, we're, we're stirring up our, our heart to receive his love. And that's not all. Then there's another comma. And it says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The word looking isn't just like, glancing or, or uh, you know, just taking a quick glance. That word looking means taking or receiving. So as all this is going on, as we're building ourselves up, our faith is strengthening, our spiritual in, inner person is being energized and edified as we're tending the heart of our, uh, the soil of our heart to receive his love. We are taking, we are receiving Mercy. That word mercy means we don't get what we deserve. Grace means we get what we don't deserve. But mercy means we don't get what we do deserve. So if you think you don't deserve healing because of whatever, like my friend Jay, who is smoking and drinking and addicted to 30,000 milligrams of of, uh, opioids a day, he might, he could have said, well, I really don't deserve healing. No, because as you're stirred up, you're taking mercy. You're taking the gift. Jesus died for grace and mercy. You're taking his mercy. 
And what does that do? It leads us unto eternal life. The word unto means which will bring you unto. As you receive his mercy, it will bring you into eternal life forever, Zoe. That word, that word life is Zoe. And it means fully alive. It means the fullness of life that Jesus came to give you. It means the abundance of life that Jesus came to give you. And the word that God gave me this week is come alive. Come alive. Wherever you're feeling dead, wherever you're feeling like you need life, God says, I have a way for you to live fully alive. I have a way for you to come alive in that part of your life. I have a way to resurrect you. The same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is in you, resurrecting you, right? Yeah. Is that good news or what? Okay, Kathy, come on up here, please. Kathy is a friend from a long time ago who came to our healing meeting. I won't, I won't tell her story, but how many years ago? 2013. 2013. And she was, what were you diagnosed with? Non Rediagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yes. We have a gentleman here who's here for the first time oh. who has the same diagnosis. So I'm going to connect you guys. Yes. But she's going to share her story of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and how that impacted her journey. So, as I said, I was re-diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in July of 2013. And a friend of mine had told me about Pastor Tim's healing meetings. So I started coming in August of 2013, um, and I had been in a denominational church, so I didn't know what I didn't know. And I started learning all of these things that we're learning here. And um, Pastor Tim had said to me, he's about two months later, he said to me, you know, you, you really need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was open to it. I said, sure. So I remember it very vividly to this day. It was November 8th, 2013, wow. 1 p.m. I went over his house, and Pastor Tim and Fran, uh, they gave me a three-hour teaching of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and all about the Holy Spirit. And then I, uh, they started praying with me, and I started praying in tongues and uh, I will be ever grateful to you, Pastor Tim, to you and Fran for that amazing afternoon. Um, and my whole life totally changed after that. I had such a fire inside of me, yes. like I couldn't contain it, seriously. And I just couldn't stop talking about Jesus. I couldn't stop learning. I was seeking. Um, when I'd read the Bible, I started getting rhema words. Um, I would start to remember scriptures. They would just all of a sudden come, and um, I was on fire for the Lord. My, I, I can't even put it into yeah. words I because my whole life changed. <laughs> I saw the before Kathy and the after Kathy. You would not know it's the same person. <laughs> yeah, it the was Holy amazing. The Holy Spirit. Yeah, it yeah. was amazing. Yeah. And, she uh, has since, just I have to brag on her a little bit, she has since <laughs> completely healed. Yes. Yay, Praise God. Jesus. Yay, God. Without Yay, God. any medication. Without any medication. Yes. She has, um, she's just, like she said, on fire for God. She's gone through <laughs> ministry school. She's been part of our ministry team in the Monday night. The Tuesday night, she's in prophetic ministry. She does street ministry. She's, I mean, all, it's her life. It it's is. It's her life. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Kathy. I just want to show you I, pictures. 
of, of the Holy Spirit and how amazing he is.